Welcome back to the Foul Balls podcast for Friday, June 15th, 2018. And sorry, I didn't do a podcast for Thursday. Um, Wednesday night, I recorded a couple of podcasts with Josh Lloyd, which I put up on my Twitter and the Red Rock basketball podcast. We did some reviews of the Pelican season and the Pacer season. And then I was looking at the baseball slate after that and realized there was four games and if I was to do a podcast, it was just going to kind of be like, hey, play all of the pitchers and play all the offenses. And I didn't really think there was a lot of value to that. So opted to not record one, but back for tonight. Uh, for Thursday slate, one thing, uh, Glebor Torres homered again. And it's so ridiculous to me that Aaron Boone insists on batting him ninth most days. He did hit fifth on Thursday, but they're saying during the broadcast that he's going to move back to the ninth spot for Friday in all likelihood because he's been playing well there, so he's comfortable there. It's so ridiculous to me. He's clearly a really good hitter, and you want your best hitters to get more bats. The reason he's hitting well is not because he's hitting ninth. He's hitting well because he's a really good hitter who just happens to be hitting ninth, and Aaron Boone seems to think that the reason he's hitting well is because of where he's hitting in the batting order. Well, he hit fifth today, and he hit a home run. So just move him up in the batting order, get him more bats, Aaron Boone. You are a silly goose. Those are some strong words I have for Aaron Boone. But some of the decisions that we see from coaches or managers, I just think are so moronic and not based in logic. So I I just found that to be really annoying. But talking about Friday's games now, we have every single team in action. And I think that there are a lot of people you could logic using, but I'm trying to narrow it down to the guys who I think are the best plays. So for pitcher, there's actually a couple guys I really like on the high end and a couple guys on the low end. So for expensive pitchers first, starting with Corey Kluber at $13,600, not a priority play for me. If there's a cheaper stack or some cheap plugs that Kluber fits in easily, I think it's fine to go up for him. I expect him to be the highest scoring pitcher on the slate. He's going up against the Twins, and that is a kind of a neutral matchup. The Twins did send Miguel Sano all the way back down to single A today. So they Sano's been struggling. Not only did they send him to the minors, they didn't send him to double A or triple A. They sent him all the way to A ball, where he's going to be playing against like a draft picks and 19-year-olds. Uh, it, it is a downgrade to the Twins' offense, even though Sano's been struggling this year. But Kluber is about as safe as pitchers get. He's scoring 28 fantasy points per game this year. He needs... 27 and a half to hit value or 26.2 to hit value no 27.2 oh my math is terrible tonight to hit value at this price tag he scored at least 23 fantasy points in seven consecutive starts so there's a lot of ceiling to Kluber obviously there's a lot of floor but at that kind of price tag it's hard to expect a massive amount of upside relative to the price so he's just somebody if he fits in the lineups he's fine to go up to him but not something I'm going to force into all my lineups. On the high end, somebody who I really do like here is James Paxson at 10,700. Now, he's going up against the Red Sox, which is should be a difficult matchup, but we're almost halfway through the season now, and the Red Sox are just not hitting left-handed pitching. They have an 84 WRC plus against lefties. That is fourth worst in all of baseball. 24.6% strikeout rate, so one of the highest strikeout rates against lefties in baseball. It's just they're they're not hitting lefties. It's not a great offense against southpaws. So James Paxson at home, it's a pitcher's park. He is averaging about 25 fantasy points per game. He has had a couple of rough starts in a row. One of them did actually also come against Boston. But overall, if we're looking at the – oh, wait, did one of them – I was looking at Charlie Morton's game log. Never mind. I just screwed up. Uh, 
But either way, Paxton is averaging about 25 fantasy points per game this year. He has scored at least 25 fantasy points in four of his last five outings. He's better at home than he is on the road. He actually, for his career, he's been one of the best pitchers in baseball at home since he came up to the major leagues. So I, I really do like this spot for Paxton. And I, I think that he's been priced down a little bit too far in a matchup that it's hard to call it a really positive matchup because it's it, I, it's difficult to look at this Red Sox lineup and just say, well, yeah, they should suck against lefties, even though it's been the case. But at, at worst, I'll call it uh, like a slightly difficult matchup. And even so, he's just been priced down too much for this. So 10,700, I'd prefer Paxson at the high end than Kluber, but I think both make for good plays. In the mid-range, I think that there's a bunch of guys you could logic yourself into using if you need the salary cap space, or I think you could use guys like Jake Arrieta or Zach Godley. Not really priority plays for me. I don't know if I'm going to end up having them in my player pool at all. There are a bunch of cheaper pitchers that I really like to pair with Paxton or Kluber. One of them is Ronaldo Lopez at 5,900. Lopez has not been particularly great this year, except he does have really good stuff, and he does have really good outings from time to time. I mean, if you look at his last four starts, 13 fantasy points, negative 10, 21, 22, 35 the game before that, then negative 14 the game before. So he's all over the place. But at a 5,900 price tag, there's definitely upside for him just because we've seen him have those big games. Now there's definitely risk also because he could have one of those total shit games where he basically doesn't show up and puts up a negative fantasy point output. But if we're looking at him at 5,900 against the Tigers team that just lost Miguel Cabrera for the season, even though the Tigers have been okay against right-handed pitching so far this year, they are currently at uh, an 85 WRC plus against righties. So Below average, but not totally terrible. But when we consider that they no longer have Miguel Cabrera, it's probably going to be one of the worst offenses in baseball against righties going forward. So Lopez makes a lot of sense to me at 5,900. The other one is Brandon McCarthy is 5,900 and expected to start at home against the Padres tomorrow. So the Padres against right-handed pitching, they are at a an 83 WRC plus strikeout rate just below 26%. McCarthy's numbers this year, not great. 5.03 RA, 4.62 FIP. Doesn't strike out a ton of guys, but still striking out seven and a half per nine innings. But I do think the ERA should come down. The main reason is the way he's giving up runs is a lot of homers. 21.1% home run to fly ball rate. But if you look at his career numbers, a 10.8% home run to fly ball rate. And his hard contact rate is right about in line with his career average is a little higher. He is 32% this year versus 29% for his career. But still, that's not enough of a jump where I would say that all of a sudden he should be allowing twice as many home runs per, per fly ball. So I think we're going to see that number regress a little bit for McCarthy. And then just him at home as a favorite against a pretty weak Padres offense, I think it's a good spot and he's a pretty safe bet to hit value and a little bit of upside there also. So the priority plays for me are Paxton, Kluber, Lopez and McCarthy at pitcher moving into the offenses and since there are a couple pitchers I like that are sub 6k I could 
kind of get flexible and you could fit any offense you want with like a Paxton Lopez or Paxton McCarthy combination or certainly if you if you want to go Lopez and McCarthy and just pay up for whatever bats you want I also think that's a fine way to go but the offenses that I think are in the best spot number one is a game stack between the Rangers and the Rockies the temperatures for tomorrow expected to be just under 100 degrees it was I think 96 was ex- the expected game time temperature the last time I looked and we're starting to get into the summer months where Texas plays is a really extreme hitters park and the pitchers in that game, not very good on either side. We have Chad Bettis going for the Rockies. And then on the Texas side of the game, it is one of the top prospects in their organization. Johander Mendez is starting. So Mendez, if you just look at his acumen as a prospect, you would think that like, ah, oh, maybe this isn't a spot that I really want to touch the the Rockies offense, but Mendez has not pitched well when he's come up to the major leagues in the minors this year. His ERA is at uh, 6.14. So he's not getting out minor league hitters right now, which I think is a huge red flag, obviously for moving up to the majors. I think it's an odd decision to call him up at this point. Another thing too, even though the Rockies are not good away from Coors Field, they're much better against left-handed pitching. They are against right-handed pitching. They actually have an 83 WRC plus against righties as compared to a WRC plus in the seventies against righties. And they have a couple of guys that really hit lefties. Well, in particular, we have Trevor story, who is priced at 4900 and then Nolan Arenado also priced at 4900 I think both of these guys are really strong guys to pay up for and are going to be two of my higher-owned hitters. Overall, I think that the Rockies make sense as a stack, but in particular, I really want exposure to Arenado and Story tomorrow. Both of them hit lefties extremely well. And then the Rangers side of the game also makes sense at home against Chad Bettis pitchers park uh i mean uh favorable hitters park so i like the rangers as well those are gonna be my two highest owned offenses and then a couple other offenses that also make a lot of sense we have the pirates at home against matt harvey it is a pitchers park but still harvey has not shown that he's capable of getting out major league hitters at all this year and I, I think that we're getting to a spot where just whenever he pitches it doesn't matter where he is it doesn't matter who the offense is I think if he was in single A right now, he wouldn't be getting out single A hitters. I just don't think that he's a a quality pitcher anymore. So the Pirates, I think, are worth targeting just because of the matchup. I don't like them quite as much as the Rangers and Rockies. Uh, Another offense that I like is going to be the Houston Astros. So the Astros are going up against, where are my notes here? The Astros are going up against the Royals. Jake Junis is pitching. So Junis is not a terrible pitcher, but he's slightly overrated, and the Astros are priced down for a matchup against him. And the Astros are also hitting the ball much better recently. They struggled a little bit to start the season, but starting to come around now, I think they should be one of the better, if not the best, offenses in baseball to finish the season. One guy who's way too cheap for the Astros right now is Josh Reddick at 3300 He came off the DL a few games ago, and... He was priced in the mid-4,000s before he got hurt. I expect him to get back to the point he's a really good value play for tomorrow. Also, the wind is expected to be blowing out heavily tomorrow, which helps the offenses a lot. One thing that there's kind of a flaw with pricing algorithm all the time for baseball is wind is one of the things that you can't really price for. So you could price for the matchup. You could price for the ballpark. But you don't know what the, you don't know what the wind is going to be when the pricing algorithm sets the prices way out in advance. So whenever there's 
a spot where the wind is really blowing out strongly, I always tend to think there's a little bit of value on the offense in that spot just because it's something that's not factored into the pricing algorithm like some of the other things are. So good spot for the Astros also. And then final offense that I think is worth a little bit of exposure to in terms of stacks, but I won't be like crazy on them, is the Washington Nationals. So the Nationals are finally getting their whole team together. We have Daniel Murphy is now back from injury. Uh, Anthony Rendon is healthy, which is not always the case. Juan Soto is only 19 years old. He got called up recently, and he's been crushing the ball lately. A matchup against Aaron Sanchez, who has struggled this year, his velocity's down, his strikeout rate is way down. He used to be a guy who could generate a lot of swing and misses and just not the case anymore. The Washington Nationals also moving to an American League park. So a DH, instead of playing the pitcher spot, is an upgrade for them. I, I really think this is going to be a good Nationals offense the rest of the year. And hitters park against a bad pitcher, I don't think they'll have a ton of ex- uh, ton of ownership. So worth having a little bit of exposure to. But the offense is in order that I like. is Rangers 1, Rockies 2. Then Astros 3, Nationals 4, and Pirates 5. And then the pitchers were Corey Kluber, James Paxson, Ronaldo Lopez, and Brandon McCarthy. So that is going to wrap up the podcast for the Big Friday slate. Uh, I hope you guys have a good weekend. You can follow me on Twitter at GArenbergDFS, and I'll be back to record a podcast Sunday night for the Monday slate.